Well, I love this... Um, I love this wonderful series that you are pursuing. Oh, what wonder, looking at these different Christmas carols. Andrew last week with Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Jen with Joy to the World. And this has provoked me to think a bit more in preparation for this weekend, to think a bit more about the Christmas carol. I thought, why do, why do we call it a carol? Why is it a carol, not a Brenda? You know, what, what's the carol thing about? And I discovered that these carols, the carols... Uh, were originally pagan songs sang on the 23rd of December, uh, winter solstice. It was a pagan thing to do, to sing a carol. The word carol means a song of joy uh, and a dance, which is why I prepared carefully a prophetic dance for you this morning. Uh, Later I'll slip off platform and come back in my lime green leotard. And so you can prepare yourselves emotionally for that experience. And some of you looking very fearful. I'm just kidding, honestly. I really am. But, but the Christians took the carols, this pagan thing, and they used the carol to express the joy and the truth about Christmas. Did you know that carols were banned for 20 years in England? Oliver Cromwell, uh, it was a bit of a misery, and the Puritans in 1647 passed an act of parliament banning not only carols, but Christmas altogether, for 20 years, there was no Christmas in England. And you get this, you could be arrested for eating a mince pie. Can you imagine that? You know, you're walking out of Sainsbury's, you know, and the police show up and they say, Sir, step away from the mince pie. I mean, it is really weird. And there's a rumor going around that you could still be arrested for doing that because it's never been repealed. But it's a lie. It's not true. You're okay. So go ahead. So here we go. Oh, come all ye faithful, John Francis Wade wrote the carol in, uh, and it was published in 1751. He was a Roman Catholic uh, teacher and he wrote the words of this and he became a refugee. He had to flee from England. He moved to France during the Jacobean Revolt. And I, I look around the group and some of you are thinking, what was the Jacobean Revolt? And most of you are thinking, we don't care what the Jacobean revolt was. And so I'll move right along, mainly because I don't know. And so, O come, all ye faithful, this uh, beautiful uh, carol, this song. And as I was thinking about faithfulness, uh, I thought, wouldn't it be good to look at an example of faithfulness from the Christmas story? Someone who himself went to Bethlehem. Someone who was faithful, someone who is often overlooked in the Christmas narrative. His name is Joseph. So let me read some words from Scripture to you. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, 
and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And then Matthew 2, this occurs now obviously after the birth of Jesus, but danger and threat comes. It says this, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Another dream. He had four dreams like this. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. I want to start this talk um, by telling you a somewhat traumatic story. So if you are of a nervous disposition, you might want to be ready to just reach out and take the somewhat sweaty hand of the person next to you just for emotional support. You might be familiar with this story, and if you are familiar with it, join me in the telling of it. Jack and Jill went up a hill to fetch a pail of water. Yes, you're right. Jack fell down. Broke his crown. And Jill came tumbling. After, yes. It's a really familiar story, isn't it? And it's so familiar that no one really digs into it. No one really notices that there are some serious health and safety issues raised (laughs) by this story. And there are numbers of questions. First of all, why did Jack go to the top of a hill to get water, when water is normally found at the bottom of a hill? This is a question that needs to be resolved. Did Jill want to go to the top of the hill, or was Jack a bit pushy and insisted that she went along? Did Jack trip, or was he perhaps pushed? (laughs) Very importantly, when he broke his crown, was his crown immediately fixed Or did he have to go on an NHS waiting list? (laughs) You see, these are familiar, this is a familiar story, which, of course, rather obviously, we never interrogate. I want to suggest that Christmas can be the same, that it is so familiar to us that it ceases to have the same impact. The angels appeared to the shepherds and said, newsflash, or, or something like it in the Greek, here is news. It is good news. And it is still good news. But the trouble is that for most of us, it's just not news anymore. We sort of heard it a lot. And we've been to a million nativity things that the kids put on where they stole the tea towels and Mary and Joseph and here come the three wise men. And we go, that was lovely. But it's not news. And it can all be a bit lost in the blur of Christmas. Did you know that the average person in the UK will consume 7,000 calories on Christmas Day? Some of you are nudging each other preemptively, <laughs> even as I say that. And, and, and the shopping, the, the madness of the shopping. How many of you have got most of the Christmas shopping already done? Just... Raise your hands that we might collectively despise you. Just do that. Just do that. It's the shopping and, and, and people do strange things at Christmas. They, they wear dodgy sweaters, already referred to in a very pastoral manner. 
and we completely outstep step out from the normal thing which is to have like really cool fashions and at Christmas we abandon that and we wear the ugliest thing we can find and, and, and Steve has requested you do that by the way be careful about that because next week don't go up to someone and go yeah that's really ugly and they go yeah but it's not a Christmas sweater it's my favourite. That would be awkward. But we do weird things. And we take wine, perfectly good wine, and we put it in a saucepan. And we boil it. And we call it mould. Weird. And we watch films we've seen dozens of times. Now, it is reported that in Germany, it is reported on the internet, so it must be true, it is reported that some Germans put a pickle in the Christmas tree and then they invite the children in the house to hunt the pickle. Yes. And whoever finds it gets a prize. Those Germans need to get out more. I mean, it is crazy. <laughs> now, I say it is reported because there was a uh, person from Germany in the first service, and they disputed this fact. And apparently their home was pickleless, which might have been sad. So it might be true, it might not, but it is so reported. It is reported that in Sweden, 40% of the population stop everything at 3pm on Christmas Day to watch a rerun of Donald Duck on the telly. That's weird. In Caracas. The Venezuelan capital, people go to mass on Christmas Day morning on roller skates. Why? <laughs> Closer to home in Bridge End in Wales in the Christmas morning swim, thousands gather every Christmas as people dress up in fancy dress and then wade into the freezing waters. Why do they do that? Oh, it's easy. You get the prize of a mug. In other words, we do loads of things, but do we get the message? E.B. White, who wrote Charlotte's Web, said, to perceive Christmas through its wrapping becomes more difficult every year. And so as we're thinking about carols in this great series, I think it's great to look at Joseph because he is the consummate unsung hero. Uh, you've probably already been getting some Christmas cards and I'm thinking that Joseph is probably not on those Christmas cards. You know, those lovely nativity scenes, and it's all very nice, and it's the stable, softly moonlit with Chanel number no. five smelling hay, with the holy family surrounded by all those grinning horses and donkeys who look seriously cheered up. And you've got Mary dressed from head to foot as a blue nun for giving birth, which is a bit odd, and she's wearing a sort of goldfish bowl thing, uh, and then you've got Jesus. Jesus is only 20 minutes old, but he's sitting up already, isn't he? Having a little chat with the wise men. Thank you very much for the gifts. And he's got a little goldfish bowl. So you've got horses, donkeys, Mary, Jesus, wise men with, you know, Christmas stockings. And then, where's Joseph then? Where's Joseph? Oh, he's a carpenter. He's fixing a wonky coffee table out the back or something. 
He never really features. And he doesn't feature a lot in the New Testament narrative. He is only mentioned 16 times in the Gospels. Mark, in his Gospel, ignores him completely, ignores the story there. Um, Matthew doesn't mention him after chapter 2. Luke ignores him after chapter 4. And John only mentions him twice. But I want to suggest he made a major contribution because he was faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful. He was a man of the supernatural with four life-altering, planet-changing dreams. He was a man who allowed his life to be revolutionized by God. He was faithful. Oh, come all you faithful. So what does, that, what does faithfulness at Christmas mean? What can we learn as we spend this next two or three hours together? Just kidding. The spirit of fear came upon the house just then. Number one, faithfulness means committing to give gifts of acts of kindness. Committing to give gifts of acts of kindness. Uh, And before I unpack this, I I, I wanna say, and I'm careful about this kind of thing, but this happened in the first service. When Steve got up to pray about kindness, and kindness was embroidered through his prayer, and we sang a song about the kindness of God, And all of that just happened. I'd look for these moments when God, who is the great choreographer, stitches things together because he's got something that he wants to say. And I want to say at the risk of sounding like I'm milking a moment or overstating it, I believe that God is putting a key in our hands this Christmas. And the key is kindness. We can change our world. You can change Cambridge this Christmas through acts of kindness. That's the way it was with Joseph. Look at this. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, Joseph was a righteous man, it says in one translation. He loved God. He loved the law. But then there's this awkward moment. Can you imagine the chat between Mary and Joseph? Mary says, I've got something I need to tell you, Joe. And he says, what is that? And she says, I'm pregnant. And he says, who did that? (laughs) And she says, God. (laughs) And he said, hello. Sounds crazy. And God confirmed it to him. But here's a situation where technically... She could have been exposed as a potential adulteress. She might have been stoned as a result of that. She would certainly have been subjected to public disgrace. Joseph was righteous. He was a man committed to the law, but he was kind as well. Someone has said he had a short struggle between his legal conscience and his love, and love won the day. A key for transformation is kindness. I think kindness is underrated. 1 Corinthians 13, often found on Christian refrigerators, says, love is kind. Be kind and compassionate, says Ephesians 4. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, Colossians 3. God is revealed in the Old Testament as kind. Hased is the word. It means the loving kindness of God. And I want to suggest that if we could be intentional about acts of kindness, 
looking out for that elderly person in the street who's going to go across the road to Sainsbury's this Christmas and who's going to buy two items at a time because they want to go back the next day just to have a personal contact with the person who serves them at checkout. Could we change lives with kindness? With not just inviting people, but with bringing them. With not just announcing that we go to C3. Gather round, ye sinners. You may touch the hem of my garment. No. Kindness. A few weeks ago, we were in Denver, going off somewhere. We were in Denver Airport. I don't like airports. Airports are emotional black holes filled with people who are only there because they want to be somewhere else. They are often sterile, impersonal places. And we were on the train between the, term, you know, the check-in and the gates. And we noticed this lady on the train. And the way she was acting with a sort of fussing family next to her. And she was just really kind. And then the train stopped, we got off, and she's on the escalator. And she's now talking kindly to another person, another random act of kindness. And Kay and I both noticed this. And, and then we got to the gate, and weirdly, she's on the same flight as us. Uh, there's 1,200 flights a day out of Denver. But she's on our flight, and we're all lining up, and the gate agent is there, you know, with the electric cattle prod, just get in there. And, and, and she is really kind to the gate agent. It's amazing. So I'm sitting on the plane. Kay's not sitting next to me because it was one of those sort of find a seat and seize it sort of boarding processes. And I felt like God whispered to me. And to be honest, I, I don't, God doesn't talk to me. Or in fact, over the years, he hasn't been as chatty as I thought he would be. <laughs> Just being honest. But I felt this whisper in my heart, find her when you get off the plane and encourage her about her kindness. And I thought, how am I going to do that? You know, hello. <laughs> I've been watching you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm perfectly normal. <laughs> and God's spoken to me. Yes. Yes. That's going to go down a treat, isn't it? So I got off the plane and I waited for Kay and she came up and, and I look around for the lady and she's not there. She's nowhere to be seen. And I thought, great. Mission accomplished. I was available, but it didn't work out. Thanks be to God. So we wander through to baggage claim and there's thousands of people. And I, I thought, I better see if I can find her. Didn't want to find her, but where is she? No, she's not there. I thought, great. I am released from the burden. And then I looked, and she's standing right next to me. Right there. Right, whoa! So I thought, okay, here we go. But how do you start off? Like, hello. <laughs> then her bag fell over at my feet. And I thought, so I picked up her bag. I thought, this is my moment, you know. And as I picked up her bag, her phone rang. And she grabbed it and said, thank you, and started talking. So I thought... I can't say anything. Anyway, she carried on her conversation. And her bags arrived, and uh, we're still waiting 
uh, for hours, and, um, and she wandered off over there somewhere and finished her call. And then, as our bags arrived, and as I walked by her, as we walked by her, her bag fell over at my feet again. Now look, I'm not spooky or weird. I don't, I don't pray for parking spaces anymore. <laughs> unless I need one. Um, but I'm not spooky or weird. But, I mean, has God got angels who are like luggage vandals? Like, <laughs> poof. And so her bag fell over. And I picked it up and I said, excuse me. Um, I said, uh, I know this is a bit weird, but I, I, I'm a pastor. Not that that's a bit weird, but... <laughs> And I said, um, my wife and I have both noticed you being kind repeatedly throughout this journey. Back in Denver, on the train, on the escalator, at the gate, you were kind. And I said, I prayed that I might have the opportunity to find you and encourage you. Thank you for being kind. And she looked at me and went... Thank you! Thank you! And burst into tears. It was like, and it's like mascara, it's like a Dracula explosion, you know. <laughs> so thank you very much, thank you! I've got to go to the bathroom now. Now, this is where the story, I wish the story went like this. And then she said, What must I do to be saved? She didn't. And that's all right. Because one sows, another reaps. But the point is, I felt like heaven noticed her kindness. Be kind. Number two, be open to a change of direction from God. Be open to a change of direction from God. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. That was a change of direction. We sang earlier, come let us adore him, Christ, the non-demanding baby in the manger. That doesn't quite flow grammatically, does it? It's not a good lyric. It's Christ the Lord. And the fact that we're worshipping Christ the Lord, it's not just a good lyric, it denotes the fact that we are available to his interruption. This Engagement was a serious thing between Mary and Joseph. It's not like engagement in our culture. It was arranged by parents. There was a ceremony of engagement or betrothal. Vows were exchanged. You didn't live together as husband and wife for about a year during which Mary announced that she was pregnant. And to end the engagement required a formal divorce. And Joseph allowed God to switch the plan. How about us giving Jesus a Christmas present of fresh, renewed availability? So excited about a service next week that's already, a presentation that's already full up. I think this is true for us individually, but it's got to be true for you collectively, C3. I mean, what are you going to do? We've been jumping up and down and shouting about revival earlier, which is marvelous. I love it, but... If that happens, man, it's going to be costly. Someone might come and sit in your chair. The chair that Jesus gave you. You might have parking difficulties. You might have to have a service at a different time. Are we willing, I mean really willing, not just theoretically, 
for God to speak a fresh word, to interrupt our plans. Maybe for some of us that means becoming a Christian. Last night we, um, we got a taxi across Cambridge and our taxi driver was a lovely Muslim gentleman who doesn't currently practice Islam. And he, we started talking and, and out of the blue, I mean, we're just having a chat, you know, the way you do in taxis. Peter Kay talks about it all the time. You know, are you busy? You know, you say those things to the taxi driver. And then um, he said, you know, every morning I wake up asking the same question every morning. And I said, oh, what's that question? He said, the question I ask myself every morning is, is there really a God? And I thought, wow. So I said, well, you know, as followers of Jesus, we've had an encounter with him. And isn't it true, my friend, that if there really is a God, that changes everything, doesn't it? He said, well, yes, it does. If all this Christmas stuff and stars on tops of trees and carols and ho, ho, ho and sweaters that are ugly. If it's all true. Everything is different now. We have been visited. We are not abandoned. Life has purpose. Are we open? It might be that it's time to give your life to Jesus. O come appears 15 times. I might have miscounted. It was late last night when I checked. 15 times in the carol. O come, come, come. John Betjeman said in his poem, Christmas... And is it true the most tremendous tale of all seen in a stained glass window's hue, a baby in an ox's stall, the maker of the stars and sea become a child on earth for me? Is it true? Intentional openness. Maybe giving your life to Christ. Number three. Number three, faithfulness is determining to be faithful. Determining to be faithful in this season of excess. Determining to be faithful in this season of excess. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Um, They don't sleep together when they could have. That is self-control. It seems to me that Christmas can be about losing control. And I'm not just talking about sex, although that can be the case too. How many regrets are there after office parties? And a few too many. Yea, Lord, we greet thee born this happy morning. And some people get really happy at Christmas. And we say things things like, go on, it's Christmas. Go on. I mean, imagine this conversation between a couple of Christians. Wow, I ate too much and I drank too much over Christmas. Really? Why'd you do that then? Well, it was Jesus' birthday. What? Or we say, a little bit of what you fancy does you good. We try telling that to Adam and Eve. (laughs) Or or we do it because everyone's doing it. We run with the herd. Now, forgive me, sexist comment here. Ladies, you go to the bathroom in groups. I've noticed that. One lady says, I need the loo. 45 of you jump up. (laughs) (laughs) You're all, that's why it takes you three hours. They should have those number machines that they have in Tesco's. 
42? We men, we don't do that, do we? I don't say, I need the loo. Who wants to come? <laughs> but we men can be just as herd-like, if not more. Over this Christmas period in Cambridge and across cities in this nation, grown men who are pretending to be adolescents will go out and they will say, our agenda for the evening is to pour much liquid down our throat until we can barely walk. We will then behave outrageously. We will then retreat staggering to our homes where we will privately find the bathroom, kneel on the floor and find the balm of Gilead of relief as we press our fevered cheek against the cold porcelain of the toilet and then ultimately we will bring an offering to the toilet as we throw up. This is officially known as fun. Let's be self-controlled. In our spending, the average time to pay off Christmas debt is five months. Five months to pay off Christmas debt. A third of British people have already arranged to borrow money for Christmas presents. One in five, 20% plan to borrow to put food on the table. People will miss paying their key bills. None of that is a political statement about the very real needs that are existing in our country right now. It is about the pressure that little Jimmy has to have that toy that's 300 quid. And we can't afford it, but the pressure says you've got to do it because Jimmy's friends at school have got that. Could we stop and think and perhaps exercise some self-control? Well, the last thing is this, and that is willingness Willingness to trust in the face of mystery. Willingness to trust in the face of mystery. Look at what happened when Jesus was a young man. Mary and Joseph lost sight of where he was and he was in the temple courts debating with the teachers there. And they were frantic and they found him, Luke 2. He said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. There wasn't a hint of unkindness in what Jesus said, but put yourself in Joseph's sandals. Because you're his dad with all the responsibilities of being a dad, except you didn't get to name him because an angel told you what to call him. But you're not his dad, you're his stepdad because God is his dad. And you always feel that. And then Jesus says, I had to be in my father's house. Well, I'm speculating, but was there perhaps some pain there? But he trusted. He trusted when an angel woke him up in the night and said, Hello, you need to emigrate to Egypt. And he said, When? And the angel said, Now. temple court situation they didn't understand do you know it's okay not to know we Christ Christians give the impression that we, we know all the answers yeah we got it all figured out it's alright to embrace mystery commentators believe that Joseph died before Jesus earthly ministry began 
So he didn't even get to see the fruit of his trust blossoming. But he trusted. As I wrap this up in the next few seconds, let me look at you for a moment. And will you look at me? Because I'm looking into the eyes of some people right now for whom the pathway is difficult. There's an empty seat at the table this Christmas. There's a prayer that's gone unanswered or maybe a prayer that has been answered and that creates its own confusion. Why was that one answered but not that one? How does that work? And as I glance around this room and look for a moment into your eyes, I know that I'm looking into the eyes of some people who are trusting. Look at you. Look at you. I mean what I'm about to say. Look at you, beautiful person. Because you're hemmed in by question marks. And you wish you could scatter them. But look at you. (laughs) You're trusting him, aren't you? the God who can be the glory and the lifter up of your head. May you know an authentic joy that doesn't come from getting the right color socks as you unwrap them. May you know heaven's smile as like Joseph you're faithful your kindness Lord and it's to that that we respond not to seek your love not to earn your love but in response to it we thank you for the story of a man who was faithful to you we posture ourselves Lord to be those who adore you and glorify you can I invite you with me just to maybe open your hands in front of you As we open our hands, Lord, it symbolizes to us a willingness to be kind. Would you show us opportunities for kindness and help us to follow through? Would you speak to us afresh, change our direction, interrupt our plans? Would you help us, those of us especially, who are hanging on and trusting you, Would you be the glory and the lifter of their heads? And may they be overwhelmed by a surprising joy that is apparently irrational as they bless you in the midst of the questions. So help us, we pray, as we sing in a moment about surrendering. Help us to do it gladly, freely, 